a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to it? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gagline and here with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, pastor Hello, of Evan. Church in Aurora, Colorado. That's right. How are things in Aurora? Oh, man, fantastic. Getting Just a lot wonderful. Of, getting a lot of snow. Uh, yes, it's been really freezing cold, but uh, I uh, 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 have a warm snap this this last couple of days that I think reached forty or fifty degrees. It's, nice. Uh, so that's an incredible sort of thing. <laughs> well, uh, uh, sit in front of what the about computer? Oklahoma? It's abnormally cold in Oklahoma too. That is, which is uh, I think it, the the high the other day was fourteen degrees, but it was kind of windy. And so uh, a lot of the schools at Oklahoma City closed because they were afraid of uh, kids being standing outside and stuff. Oh, man. This is global warming for you again <laughs> yeah, this winter. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, settle down in front of the computer speakers uh, or your radio, however you listen to Table Talk Radio, and uh, warm up with a, a warm cup of hot chocolate with uh, whatever you like. Uh, and, and listen to Table Talk Radio today. We have uh, we're going to respond to some listeners uh, via email or our. I don't think we have any voicemail messages, but should a listener I think want with to all call these in, listener emails, I've lost track of how many listeners we have. <laughs> I mean, I had it pinned at seven or eight, you know, uh, but apparently there's a couple more, and I, I've lost track at twelve. Yeah. I think we must have a dozen or t- or, or thirteen or fourteen Man, listeners now. I, I need a co-host that can count to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mostly need to worry about that for your points. Never they have to count that high, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then uh, we're going to be playing uh, questions in pastoral care. This is where uh, uh, Vicar Gigline gets to ask Pastor Wolfman there any question he wants within pastoral care. Um, and then we're playing law and or gospel with epiphany texts, and then ending up with contemporary or traditional slash praise song cruncher. Oh, yeah. So not a bad lineup for Table Talk Radio today. No, no. Better than average. Well, whatever the average is, that's pretty low. <laughs> okay. So we need to start off with our buzzwords. And the buzzword I have for you uh, is should be an easy one to get in, but I think it's worth taking the time to define it. And uh, that is, your theological buzzword is faith. Hey, nice. And uh, I, I wanted to take the, the time to... to to talk about faith, because uh, so oftentimes I, I think you hear people talk about faith, but what they're talking about is faithfulness. In, in other words, uh, their actions, their obedience, their uh, goodwill towards God. Uh, but that's not usually what we talk about. Well, that's not that's not what we talk about when we talk about salvation by faith. 
we're talking about that is is a gift from God. So that so that faith is a gift, and it's bestowed by the Holy Spirit through His Word, and that is uh, the faith that we are saved by by faith alone. Yeah. So so that faith has nothing but the the words and promises of God, and and faith then simply trusts. That's that's what faith is is that that simple trust in God's word. Now. The work of the Holy Spirit, we we cannot have, we can't ask God's word. We can only we can only hate God, despise God, or ignore God. But the, you're you're right that the Holy Spirit comes and gives us the gift of faith, so that we we are now enabled by His working to trust in Him. All right. Ah, I'll see if that if I can say that word. You won't notice either. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Give a, uh, my buzzword for you, Evan. Oh, you ready? Yeah. My best word for you is tentatio, uh, which means, well, that's a Latin word, which means temptation or suffering. Uh, and it comes from this uh, this discussion of Luther about what makes a theologian. He says there's three things that make a theologian. Oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Oratio means prayer. Meditatio means meditation. And tentatio means suffering or or. or did I get that right? Temptation or the the affliction of the devil. The German word is Anfichtung, which means um, which means uh, assault or, or again struggle or suffering, something like this. So that when the devil comes to tempt us and to bring trouble to us, to 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 lay the cross on us, the Lord uses that for for good. He uses it to push us to His Word, uh, and to and to deepen really our faith and trust in Him. That's great. Uh, well, I think you have uh, something to tell us about before we uh, get into... Wait, did you, uh, did you notice how I used your buzzword <laughs> in my definition of my buzzword? 500 points. You missed points. it, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Hey, hey, starting off strong. There's no way that you're going to catch me saying tentatio. <laughs> I'll never miss. I do have something exciting, though, to announce. This, this, is, this opportunity just kind of fell in my lap this last week. Uh, to to host a trip to, in the steps of Luther and also to the Passion Play in Germany this summer. Uh, a pastor friend of mine down the street, uh, Pastor Joe Murphy of Grace Lutheran Church in Parker, has been planning this trip for a couple of years, but he's in the National Guard, and, uh, and he's going to be deployed at the time that the trip is. So he asked me to fill in for him and lead this trip. So we have a handful of people going, and we have room for more people, too. Uh, so that if any of you listeners want to want to go with me and and uh, Lord willing, uh, my wife Carrie to to Germany and the, see the steps of Luther, see all the sights there, uh, and then end with the Passion Play. We'll have daily devotions. We'll we'll read a bit of Luther and some scriptures, sing some hymns every day, and we'll be able to talk about the Luther's theology in the very places where it was formed. Uh, this is I'm I'm very very excited about this trip and uh, and I'd love to have some more people going especially if it's just from Table Talk Radio listeners uh, wanna wanna come along and the best way to do that there, there's a link on our church website hope-aurora.org uh, for information on this but the best way perhaps is to email me you can email me at my church address pastor at hope-aurora.org or the Table Talk Radio address comes to me as well prbw at tabletalkradio.org uh, if you if you're interested in going to Germany this summer, uh, please call or or uh, or send an email and I'll get you the information and we can talk it over. All right, that sounds great. You're coming too, aren't you, Evan? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, your church offered to pay my way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's yeah, sure, sure. Let's get into this uh, discussion on questions in pastoral care. 
Now, how this works is is I get to uh, ask Pastor any question that I want in in uh, pastoral care, and he has to answer it. And uh, this is uh, a great opportunity, just kind of for a, a vicar to to. Uh, you know, ask a pastor a question. So the the, past, the pastoral care question I have for you today, Pastor, uh, is concerning yep. closed communion, and uh, maybe uh-huh. maybe just to explain that a little bit. The uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, practices closed communion, meaning uh, only those who are admitted to the Lord's Supper are those uh, who have been catechized in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, there's a, a twofold. I think uh, a reason for this, uh, the first and, 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 and the foremost, I think, is, is that, uh, th- that in Corinthians, we see that the Lord's, the Lord's body and blood uh, was given to people's uh, condemnation. Actually, that says that some fell asleep. So we want to we be careful who this is given. This is uh, given for the forgiveness of sins, but, but uh, Scripture says that we must examine ourselves and uh, that that the, the Lord's presence does bring upon a judgment for those who are apart from faith. Now, the the, the second though uh, reason I think for for close communion is that uh, taking communion, going to communion, is a profession of faith, and so we want to be in uh, the same confession as the, the person next to us. So uh, we want to then uh, commune uh, with with fellow uh, Missouri Synod Lutherans. So uh, here here's the pastoral care question. And there's a yes. lot we could talk about with this. Uh, right. What happens when, in dealing with your parishioners or going about uh, uh, your your parish life, you find that one of your parishioners uh, is uh, believes or or confesses something uh, that is is not strictly a, a Lutheran doctrine? So I, I don't know. Yeah, so you have this person that's been in your church all their lives, but they say, you know, Pastor, I've never really bought into. Uh, infant baptism. You know, I just, I just can't come to believe that. Um, now, wh- what do you do in that situation? I mean, can you still admit that person to the altar, or uh, what do you do? Well, that's a great question. I think if to, to to go back to your two rationale there, if if I could split them apart. Now, some people do not find this helpful at all, but I think it's very helpful. Is that there is a there is a pastoral care in regards with communion. And then there is, a, and then there's the practice of of closed communion. And I think there's a, a little bit of a difference between them. Uh, the pastoral care of people is motivated motivated by the fact that we know that taking communion can be a dangerous thing. Like you mentioned, Paul says some have gotten sick and some have even fallen asleep. That means they died because they took communion in an unworthy manner. So there is a, a if the I mean imagine if the pharmacist is giving out a medicine that if taken wrongly could kill someone. They would have a great care on who they give the medicine to, to make sure that they're going to be taking it for their benefit and not for their destruction. And so there is this great care and concern uh, for the pastors who are called stewards of the mysteries of God to make sure that this is not a dangerous thing for the person that they're giving it out to. Now, you can only know so much about that, so you we do the best we can. There's the, the second practice is closed communion, which maybe would be termed better simply unity of doctrine. And that is that we take the scriptures so seriously, and especially the scriptures that say we ought to be of the same mind, that we ought to think the same, that we ought to have the same teaching, uh, and that we ought to have fellowship and doctrine. We take that so seriously that if someone doesn't have fellowship with us, if someone has a different teaching or a different doctrine, uh, then we say that we do not yet have a unity of mind that the scripture uh, that the scripture commands, and so for us to commune together. Would, to be give a, would give a false witness to the unity that we don't have. 
So we separate those two out, and now we can come back to the pastoral care question about someone who who has moved away from the unity of faith with a false understanding of a particular doctrine. Okay, and let's do that right after this break coming up, and we can continue this game, Questions in Pastoral Care, right after this break, and then we'll get into Law and Our Gospel, Epiphany Text Style. Don't go away, more Table Talk Radio right after this. Table Talk Radio, giving away 100 million Table Talk Radio points by 2017. Frankfurt, Eisenach, Wittenberg, Leipzig, Nuremberg, Munich, and Oberammergau for the Passion Play. These are just a few of the places that we'll be visiting in the Steps of Martin Luther Tour, uh, ending with the Passion Play this summer. I have a great opportunity to lead and host this tour all of a sudden, and uh, I'm very excited about it, and I would love for you our listeners to be able to come along as well. If you are interested in visiting Germany this summer, uh, June 24th to July 4th, uh, with me, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church, uh, and my wife Carrie, uh, then would you please contact me at pastor at hope-aurora.org for more information. I'd love to talk to you about this opportunity, uh, let you know more details. Uh, So if you're interested in coming along on the Steps of Martin Luther Tour uh, with me this summer, Please again contact me at pastor at hope-aurora.org for more information. Or give me a call, 303-364-7416. Thank you. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're going to be looking at uh, these different epiphany texts, uh, playing law and our gospel with them all. But before we get to that, we're finishing up this game, uh, Questions in Pastoral Care. Now, Pastor, you've kind of set the ground rules for uh, closed communion. And now we're back to the question, what of your own parishioners who have grown up in your church uh, begin to confess uh, the Christian faith in a way other than what is given in Scripture? Well, that, this is a great question. I mean, let, let's just handle it apart from communion for a minute, if we could. Uh, and that is when, because this happens to all of us, as we read through the scriptures, as we as we study the catechism, as we uh, uh, study the Lord's doctrine and the Lord's teaching, that questions arise, and uh, and someone could be confused about a particular topic, or even uh, totally wrong about the topic. But the fact that they're, uh, you know, willing to come and sit and and talk to you about it. This is really wonderful, and that, and we should invite that. We shouldn't be afraid of that at all. So someone comes and says, you know, Pastor, I, I, I know that in, in catechism I, I learned about infant baptism, but I've been talking to my relatives at the Southern Baptist Church, and, and they've almost convinced me that that's the false teaching. Now, why do we teach that? Oh, this is fantastic. This, this is the time uh, to, to bring forth the Lord's Word in simplicity and to give an answer for those that, uh, that demand it. 
uh, or or, uh, or or about the fact that a believer can can fall from the faith or or about the fact that there's no election to condemnation or about the fact that the Lord's body and blood is truly present in the Lord's Supper or or about the teaching that you uh, that our wills before conversion are bound and we can't make a decision for Christ I mean there's all of these different teachings and all of these different churches and our people the dear Lutheran people hear these teachings and they and they can cause questions and this is good I mean it's good that we uh, that we are driven to the scriptures to 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 answer these sorts of things, and so I, as long as the questions and the conversations are happening, then I think this is just is wonderful and exactly how it should be. But something might happen when when someone becomes hardened in their in their false doctrine, so that they're no longer asking questions and now they're begin, for example, to accuse the pastor or the Lutheran Church of false teaching. Uh, and they say, oh, the Lutheran Church is wrong about this doctrine or about that doctrine or something like that. And so when someone can no longer, when someone really uh, is no longer confessing the faith uh, of the Scriptures as taught in the Catechism, and they uh, and they've gone aggressively against those, uh, then it's time to consider um, to consider the stages uh, of of the official stages of church discipline, really, that Jesus gives to us in Matthew 18. So that you would approach the person and and ask for them gently and kindly to to change their mind or repent of their false teaching. You might go with two or three others, uh, and then if this false teaching persists, then uh, then you bring the matter to the church. Uh, and if it continues to go, then you have the uh, the excommunication, which is where someone doesn't uh, come to the Lord's Supper. But boy, we would hope that this whole process would be done patiently and kindly. Uh, with a spirit of humility, with the constant knowledge that our Lord is patient with us uh, and, and that we could uh, treat each other uh, in the same patience and gentleness which the Lord treats us. I mean, I know, for goodness sakes, all the false doctrines uh, that have uh, that have found a place in my own mind and how long it has taken for those to be uh, brought out and shown for what they are and removed, that uh, that that we would have that sort of patience with each other. Yeah. I think that's a good distinction. Very good. Okay. Well, a law and well, don't gospel. I get points for that? <laughs> you want points? Uh, well, you already have five hundred for your stupid buzzword. Um, I'll give you a hundred for that miraculous answer. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> this questions in pastoral care game, by the way, takes a little while because, you know, a, a pastoral care is kind of a patient art. It's not like being a radio DJ. It's not like being a radio clown. <laughs> True. You know, you, you know, in fact, being a pastor is in some ways the opposite of being a radio host because here on the, when we have the microphones in front of our face, we're trying to make sound bites, you know. We're trying to be both informative and entertaining at the same time. But a pastor has to have these big, wide-open ears, to, and a lot of the work of a pastor is simply listening and uh, and, and praying and and uh, and and digging around for a particular scripture to apply to someone's heart and mind in a particular. Okay, it's really it's really quite different. I'm sorry, well, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So uh, we're playing law and our gospel. And uh, pastor, why don't you tell us the distinctions, and then uh, I have a little addendum to this game that I haven't told you about. Uh, but go ahead and tell us what is the difference between law and gospel. The law is, so the, God speaks in both these words. He speaks in the word of the law, which is his telling us what to do and 
we can't do it. So it also shows our own sinfulness. And then the gospel is telling us what he's done for us in Christ. So the gospel comes as the promise of the forgiveness of sins, the promise of the imputed righteousness of Jesus. The gospel is the good news that God is not mad but happy with us because of the blood and death of Jesus in our place. So you have these two words running throughout the whole scriptures, and if you if you can't see the distinction, then the Bible remains kind of a muddled, closed book. But as soon as you see this distinction there of law and gospel, uh, then the lights come on. All right, and the addendum I have to this game uh, isn't so much in the play, but just in the explanation of the rules. And uh, what I'm going to do every time we play this is, is read a different thesis from C.F.W. Walther's uh, Distinction on Law and Gospel. Uh-huh. And uh, today's thesis for uh, law and her gospel is the seventh, and it goes like this. Uh, the third, in the third place, the word of God is not rightly divided when the gospel is preached first and then the law, sanctification first, then justification, faith first and then repentance, good works first and then grace. Uh, what's Walter talking about here, Pastor? Well, he, now he's talking about the ordering of law and gospel. Um, so he says... Uh, to rightly divide law and gospel. Walter, by the way, was the first president of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod um, back in the... He wrote law and gospel probably, what, 1850 or something? Sounds close. Um, and he was... These were lectures, and he's teaching these uh, pastors to be how to divide rightly law and gospel, and he says, you got to put it in the right order because the gospel is the forgiveness of sins. Well, how do you know about the sins that need to be forgiven? Well, that's the work of the law. So the law comes first to show our sin, and then the gospel comes next to give us forgiveness. So so the diagnosis comes before the cure. The problem comes before the solution. The bad news comes before the good news. And if you switch up the order, then you have not rightly distinguished law and gospel, especially in your preaching, because uh, Walther's teaching guys how to preach there. All right. Okay, so... What we're doing today for Law and Our Gospel is reading these different epiphany gospels and uh, d- just making the distinction within the text, where is the law, where is the gospel. What's the first one, Pastor Wolfmuller? Well, how about this? Let's do, um, let's do Luke chapter 2, the visit of the boy Jesus to the temple. This is verses 41 to 52. Ready? Ready. Now his parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and they did not find him. They returned to Jerusalem, searching for him there. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. Hmm. I'm interested in this uh, response of Jesus. Why were you looking for me? Wondering whether that is law or gospel. It is an interesting. It's a very, very interesting text. Um, in fact, there's a there's a ton here. But those words of Jesus are the very first red letter words in the Bible. I mean, 
uh, it's in Luke, so you got Matthew and Mark before it. But in other words, these are the first words that the scriptures record of our Lord Jesus. Uh, we don't have anything before this. And the next words that we have are right around the time of his baptism. Uh, so, so, so these are really have a, a very important place in our understanding of the life of our Lord Jesus. And he's responding to his, mare, uh, to his mother Mary, who really is accusing him of sin. You see that? Why have you treated us so? Right. We've been searching for you in great distress. So that Mary comes and accuses Jesus of, of sin, and Jesus is, it, there's a bit of a rebuke for Mary there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't sin. First of all, you're the parents. You're not supposed to leave me in Jerusalem. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing. Uh, don't, uh, I didn't run away. You left me here. It's like if if a if a family leaves church, you know, and they leave their uh, their son there at the church. And then they come back and blame the boy for <laughs> for being in church. Wait a minute, you, you're the ones that left. So, the, so that's the first thing. Uh, but the second thing is he's rebuking their lack of understanding. Did you not know that I must be here in my father's house? You should know that. In fact, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, "You're the one that taught me this. I mean, you guys are the ones that told me about the angels that came and visited before I was born. You're the one that told me about the shepherds and about the wise men and about why we had to go down to Egypt. You, you, Joseph, you taught me that you're not my real father, but that my father, that I don't have an earthly father, that my father is is the father in heaven. You should know that this is where I'm going to be. But here, here's another side to this thing. Oh, what a wonderful text. Here's another side of it, too. Because Mary and Joseph, they don't expect him to be here. So we see in this text that Jesus himself is beginning to learn who he is and what he's come to do. That's yeah, really wonderful. Wow. Okay, so where is the law and where is the gospel in this epiphany text of uh, the boy Jesus in the temple? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get back to that question right after this commercial break. More Table Talk Radio with Evan and Pastor Brian Wilfley right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? Okay, well, there's the radio clown, the table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what we get? Uh, Yeah, why why don't you tell them that? (laughs) Well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get table talk radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for table talk radio so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Hi, 
Uh, welcome back to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. We're in the middle of playing law and or gospel with these great uh, epiphany gospels. Uh, and we're talking about Luke chapter 2. This is the text of the boy Jesus uh, who is left in Jerusalem and he goes to the temple. Now, where is the law and where is the gospel? Uh, aren't you going to answer that? I read the text. You're supposed to answer. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're, you're, <laughs> You're the uh, ordained pastor, so yeah. <laughs> you're deferring. <laughs> well, there there could be a bit of this, uh, a bit of law, specifically from our Lord Jesus to the Blessed Virgin Mary when he is chastising her. But the, but here, this the, what marvelous words that Jesus speaks when he says simply, "I must be in my Father's house," so that Jesus knows that his business, his work, his place is in the temple. Now, what, what, what is that father's house for? Well, it's for hearing the word of God, it's for praying, and especially it's for sacrifices. I mean, imagine as Jesus begins to discover that he is the Messiah, the one that the Bible talks about. I mean, it says there in the text that he's growing in wisdom. He wasn't just born knowing everything. I mean, according to his divine nature, he does. But his human nature is learning all of these things. So imagine learning that this is watching the Passover sacrifice and understanding that this is his work, that this is pointing to him, that this is teaching him what he is supposed to do. Or imagine him reading Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or or Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. And now it's, it's beginning to dawn on him who he is and what he's come to do, namely to be the, sacrif- the atoning sacrifice for us, to spill his blood, to cover our sins, and deliver to us his own righteousness. And Jesus is learning that, and we are learning it with him. We're watching him. We're watching his eyes open to these sort of things, and this is our joy and our comfort. So I think there, that's that's where the gospel is in this text, that Jesus must be about, he must be in his father's house. He must be about his father's business. In other words, he must be our savior. Uh, what specifically is being referred to when it talks about Mary treasuring these things up in her heart? I think this is also used at the... Uh the wise men who come to who come to Jesus or come excuse me come to Mary. There's a, well, there's a couple things there. There's two, uh, two or three times where you, where Luke gives us that. Uh, the first thing, just basically, is to note that that Luke is getting apparently all of his information on these early days of Jesus from Mary herself, and and so as Mary is reporting to Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have been 40 or 50 years later, all of these things. She's going to say, and and I remember this, and I and I locked this thing away, and I thought about oh. this often, what these things mean mm-hmm. meant. So so the first is to, is is that the second thing is that Mary is, uh, is 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 teaching us what it means to meditate on the Lord's word, to treasure these things in our heart, to to lock these things away. It's the difference between here, what we see, the difference between a mystery and a secret. I mean, you know this, that, that a secret uh, can be destroyed by just telling people what it is. You know, if I, if you tell me a secret and then I tell everyone else on the radio, then it's no longer a secret. But a mystery, no matter how much we think about it or consider it or meditate on it, it re- always remains a mystery. In fact, the more we think about it, the more wonderfully mysterious and, and fantastic these things become. So all these mysteries surrounding the birth and uh, and early life of our Lord Jesus are mysteries uh, that Mary considers and meditates on over and over in her heart. Mary's doing a little meditatio then. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get to the other. Okay. 
Um, are we ready the tin tati is where Simeon says, uh, <laughs> "A soul will pierce your own heart." Remember, she says that to Mary. So you're gonna suffer. You got Tintatio coming, Mary. You can't use my buzzword. I'm just giving you hints. Okay. All right. Are we ready to move on to John two then? Yes. Let's have it. All right. Uh, do you want to read this text? You want me to? You. Why don't you give us? Okay. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, We have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. All right, so that is uh, John chapter 2, 1 through 11. The wedding at Cana, uh, the first miracle of Jesus, first sign. Um, there's, a, there's a lot here. I, I think it's interesting how... Uh, I, I was reading uh, Luther's sermon on this, and he talks about how, how Mary uh, never really petitions Jesus, but just lays, lays the problem before him. Uh, yeah, what do you think that means? I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't demand it of Jesus, so she's learned now. I mean, and now in this text, we see Mary again. Really, this is, the, I believe, I, I believe these are the last words of Mary. Is that right, that the Bible records? Uh, which says, whatever he tells you, do it. Ah, uh, right. So the, so the, la- the last witness, so in the, in the other text, in Luke 2, we have the first words of Jesus. Now, in this John 2 section, we have the last words of Mary, I think. I, someone will correct me if I'm wrong on that. Oh, uh, yes, they will. You, we, have, <laughs> we have the greatest listeners in game show radio um, because <laughs> what were we doing? You got called out. Oh, we were playing Bible Bee. It was that last week, uh, two weeks ago, I think. And uh, you said that cheese was only mentioned once in the Bible. And uh, I think two or three, all of our listeners uh, uh, wrote in and said that uh, there is more than one reference to cheese in the Bible. So uh, for, for you uh, giving a faulty question on Bible B, I am docking you. Oh, brother. I'm just kidding. I won't dock you. Okay. I, uh, I thought that was a bit cheesy, that whole controversy. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, wait. I think I... I think I have one of these uh, things, although it's not very good, and I have to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, but I, I do, I think these are the last words of Mary here, and she says, listen to Jesus, do what he says. Now, there's something here where Jesus says, woman, because that's what he he says to Mary on the cross, same thing, uh, woman, behold your son, when mm. when when he is giving her into the care of John, his his um, his uh, disciple there. Uh, so there's, it seems a bit harsh when Jesus says woman, but it, it is a, apparently uh, an affectionate way that our Lord refers to his mother. And, and, but my hour's not yet come. In other words, uh, Mary, you know enough to know that I can do this, but you don't know enough to know when I should and when I shouldn't. But still, he, Jesus, this is fantastic, Jesus cannot see a need that he, he 
uh, that he doesn't fulfill. He's just, it's, you see that even, his, my hour's not yet come, and yet, look, there's no wine, and he, he just can't help himself. He, Jesus is so fantastically responsive to human need and suffering. It's just beyond, his compassion is beyond anything we could even imagine. So Jesus can't, he can't see a person suffering. He can't see a person in want or in need. He can't see a person who's run out of wine and and just let it go. He's, he comes then with his mercy and grace and brings all these uh, messianic promises from the Old Testament, like the hills are running with wine and all of this. He just brings them. He, uh, he loves to care for us, and that's what we see here in this text. And he has, the, he has the authority to care for us because he is the very Son of God, and he does that most of all uh, when he takes our place under the wrath of God in his death on the cross. Is it making things a, a bit too allegorical then to uh, take this? To, I mean, they are at a wedding, which uh, commonly throughout scriptures is you know this banquet feast of of really of heaven and of what everlasting life that this banquet feast with with Christ Himself. Um, that to then say that uh, that that joy will not run out in the eternal banquet feast. You know, th- th- there's there's going to be an abundance of wine. In other words. Uh, there, there won't be any time in in heaven which which our joy it will be uh, quenched because we're all out of wine. Do you see what I mean? Is that is that a bit too allegorical? Well, uh, it is allegorical, but it's right. I mean, it's true. We know it from other points of the scripture. Now, is if, is that specifically what Jesus is teaching here? Well, maybe because he's simply teaching that. Uh, what psalm is it? Psalm sixteen. In your presence is fullness of joy. I think that's the last word of Psalm 16. Now, a listener can correct me on that one, too. But this is the idea. In the presence of the Lord, there is this fullness of joy. And and, and the Bible does, when when it tries to think of the most joyous thing on earth, which is, in the in the eyes of God, is a wedding. He uses that to describe heaven. So, so, so the heavenly Jerusalem is descending upon the earth in Revelation 21 as a bridegroom uh, adorned for her husband. So that the, so that eternal life is an unending uh, feast of joy and peace and gladness because we are there in the presence of our husband Jesus. All right. Well, uh, we on tap. We have to play contemporary, traditional slash praise song crunch of this, but we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do during the break. Don't wait. More <laughs> table talk radio. <laughs> Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, as told by Scripture alone. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. 
Hello, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church and co-host of Table Talk Radio. I have had a marvelous opportunity fall into my lap for this summer, and I hope you rejoice to have it fall in yours as well. A good friend and fellow pastor of mine uh, in the area has was planning for the last couple of years to host a tour of the Steps of Martin Luther and the Passion Play in Oberammergau in Germany in the middle of this summer. Uh, but he's in the uh, National Guard and is going to be deployed, and so he's not able to go. He asked me to take his place. So I'll be leading a trip in the steps of Luther and to see the Passion Play from June 24th to July 4th in this summer, 2010. Uh, there are more openings to go, and really we'd like to get a few more people uh, involved. And so if you're at all interested, if you would uh, uh, email me at pastor at hope-aurora.org and I'll get you the information. We'd love to have you come on the trip as well. Again, that's this summer Steps of Martin Luther, tour hosted by me, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Can babies be baptized? If you like the regular programming of Table Talk Radio, we encourage you to listen to our live show called Table Scraps Live, and we'll be talking about baptism with Pastor Eric Brown of Zion Lutheran Church in Lahoma, Oklahoma and we'll be answering all of your questions live about baptism. Must one be immersed in baptism, or can he be sprinkled? Who is working in baptism? Can one say baptism saves? These are all the questions we'll be addressing on Table Scraps Live. Just click on over to our website, tabletalkradio.org, the night of Sunday, February the 7th at 7 p.m., and you can listen to Table Scraps live on baptism and call us with all of your comments and questions about baptism. That's tabletalkradio.org on Sunday, February the 7th at 7 o'clock p.m. We'll see you there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, Why do you bump it in with the song about feelings? Is, it, is the praise song cruncher coming up? <laughs> you can tell. Yeah! <laughs> Everyone's are... favorite praise song cruncher right here, folks. <laughs> right here! Things are starting to get emotional. It must be time for the praise song cruncher. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to do some praise song crunching, and then we're going to play contemporary or traditional, our hymn analysis song. Uh, so or game. We're going to contrast these things. So we got a speed crunch, and then we got a speed guess, and then we got to talk about them together. That's so. right. So while we play this first praise song, go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the articles tab and scroll down to find the praise song cruncher article by Pastor Wolfmiller, and you can crunch along with us. So uh, this first one is by uh, Chris Tomlin. You know our buddy Chris. Yeah, and, Chris, old Chris, good old Chris. <laughs> and uh, this one is called We Fall Down. Here it is. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and of Jesus we cry holy 
so you have the lyrics in front of you, Pastor? I do. I got them here. Okay, the first question of the praise song cruncher is Jesus. Is Jesus mention, mentioned yes, no, if yes, and name or concept? Yes, there is Jesus. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. All right. Clarity is a song clear. Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object or sentence fragments? Um, this is a 10 for very clear or one for obscure. I think you would need a lot of commas and semicolons to make it make sense, but I think you could force all of this into a sentence or two and make it make sense. So we fall down. Okay, that's we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Your greatness, your mercy, love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry, holy, 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 holy is the Lamb. <laughs> So, I, I mean, it's somewhat clear. Uh, I mean, there's some repetition, um, uh, but uh, there's... So, I mean, what's the clarity scale? What's clear and what's not? Uh, let's see here. The, the clarity scale is 10 for very clear and 1 for obscure. So let's put this one at, uh, at 7. A 7, so it's more clear than obscure. I think I think so. Do you will you want to adjust? You can adjust it if you want to. Um, no, I, I can think, make out what's going on for the most part. It is. I mean, it's a reflection. It's a lyric reflection of the scene that we have in Revelation of the elders falling down at the at the throne of Jesus, throwing their crowns before him and singing this holy, holy, holy. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, the third question is mysticism. Uh, this is objectivity versus subjectivity. Is a song about the things that God has done, objective, or about my own emotions and experiences, subjective? Does the song repeat the same phrases over and over in hypnotic mantra? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, there is a bit of, um, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of repetition. I mean, not the scripture gives us the repetition of holy, 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 but here you have almost a ninefold holy, holy, holy. And there is that it's the, um, uh, this is actually happening. I mean, right now, the book of Revelation tells us that the elders are casting their crowns before uh, before the throne of Jesus. But here it's saying that we're doing it. So what it's do what the what the song is doing is it's taking the actual thing that's occurring apparently in heaven right now and saying that it's happening spiritually with us here on earth. So it makes that that leap from the objective reality of what's happening in heaven to the subjective action that's happening here on earth. And this, in a way, this is the perfect praise the perfect model of a praise song. I mean, this is exactly uh, what they're trying to do. So it's it is very subject. It takes an objective picture of scripture and it makes it subjective for me now. So very high on the mystic subjective scale. Okay, so uh, ten is objective, one is subjective. Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. I think that's probably good. Okay, law and gospel is it properly divided? Yes, no, or I can't tell. Um. Uh. No, did you see law and gospel in there? I don't see it even present. It's this idea of of heavenly worship, uh, and we're we're becoming part of it. So this can only happen through through the through the gospel. But remember what happens when Isaiah sees the scene of the angels crying, "Holy, holy, holy!" Uh, um, he says, "Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips." And so th- it functions for Isaiah as law. But here, the 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 assumption with the praise song always is we're already in the presence of God now. So. In a way, it's beautiful. In a way, it's you. Got, you got to say more about this because 
uh, it is true that because Jesus has come down to earth, we join the heavenly choirs singing the Sanctus, the Holy, Holy, Holy. And yet we got to, I think, always see that that's only because the blood of Jesus covers our sins and that it's not... The only place it might be in the in the song here is with this word lamb, right. because the lamb is the lamb of sacrifice. But, but anyway, the greatness of mercy and love. Uh, I don't know. Okay, uh, then there's one final question on the praise song cruncher. Is there any explicit false teaching? The, I, now I I don't know how picky you want to get because see it's when the it's when the in the book of Revelation this is Revelation four verse ten I just found it here. The 24 elders fall down before him who's seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were and were created. It's the, it's the four living creatures that are singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is and who who was and is and is to come. That's back in Revelation 4, verse 8, and back in Isaiah chapter 6. So it's mixing the two texts. It's putting the song of the angels in the mouth of the people. Now, I don't think that's necessarily false teaching. In fact, I think it could be a beautiful expression of of the truth, uh, or it could just be sloppy use of the text. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'd have to ask. We'll have to call back up our buddy Chris and see. Uh, see what he intended by that. Yeah, well, we played this next game with him, contemporary or traditional, and uh, the hymn you have here is, uh, which which hymn did you send me? Arise and Shine in Splendor, another epiphany hymn. Right, and uh, let me get that queued up here. It didn't. My software didn't work for me here. So uh, why don't you tell us about this hymn while I get this going? <laughs> well, it, uh, the the theme of Epiphany is that the Lord is manifesting his glory, especially to the Gentiles. So you have the appearance of the wise men, uh, the Gentile nations there, and then all of the miracles of Jesus where he's showing himself forth. And so this hymn is about how uh, the light of God is is arising. It's the it's the sun it's the sunrise of mercy for the entire world when Jesus comes to save us. All right, that's the idea, anyhow. And here it is. So that is the hymn uh, that you picked here for this game, Arise and Shine in Splendor. Okay, so I, I have to then guess a contemporary or traditional. And what is the cutoff date for contemporary or traditional? 1750. If it's after 1750, that makes it contemporary, according to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's see. Uh, see the earth in darkness lying, the... Uh, heathen Nathan's dying in hopeless gloom and night. In thee, the Lord of heaven, thy life, thy hope hath given uh, great glory, honor, and delight. This has to be a traditional hymn. You are right. It was written by Martin Opitz in the year 1628. Ooh, that's pretty close. Yeah. only It was only 122 years before the cutoff, so... 
Okay, so what do you want to do? Do you want to crunch this, or, or what do you want to... No, I don't want to crunch it. I want to talk about the difference, though. I mean, the difference between... Because, look, this hymn has these elements in it. That stanza 5. Thy heart will leap for gladness when from the realms of sadness they come or land and see. Thine eyes will wake from slumber when people without number come thronging from afar to see. This wonder of the of the cross of Jesus, but it... it, it it puts it in in a very poetic and marvelous way. It puts the law and gospel forth that that brings forth this wonder. So that the stanza that you quoted, stanza two, look at the earth in darkness. The heathen nations are dying. They live in hopeless gloom and night. But to them, the Lord of heaven gives them life and hope, honor and delight. So that so that into the midst of our death comes the Lord in his glory shining forth for our salvation. All right. Well, that was the quickest game I think we've ever played. And thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a sermon with no gospel. Meaningless. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.